What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Mogul Marathon Real Estate Podcast. We highlight keen investment insights and strategies so you can become a real estate mogul. Here's your host, Yannick Kujo Virgin. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Mogul Marathon Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Yannick Kujo Virgil, and I'm very, very excited for our guest today. Our guest today is a very special guest, former star player, played in the NFL. He has a lot of experience in investing, entrepreneurship, sales, and just growing and scaling companies. He has a ton of knowledge and experience. So very, very excited to get into today's show. But before we get into today's show, as you know, this show runs on reviews and we've been getting a lot of great feedback from our audience. They've been finding it to be very, very insightful for the podcast that we have released. And so if you can, please leave a review. If you're new to the show, this show runs on reviews. It really, really helps with us getting high quality guests like the one we have today. And then also helps with the show's visibility. You know, we have a lot of different feedback. Feel free to, you know, send us an email It's in the show notes, and we'd love to hear more about that if you want different podcasts, topics, or whatever that you think would add value to this commercial real estate podcast. Definitely would love to get your feedback. So let's get into today's show. So today's guest is Terrence Murphy. Terrence was a second-round NFL draft pick by the Green Bay Packers after graduating from Texas A&M University as a three-time academic all-Big 12 student-athlete. And Terrence has brokered $1.1 billion plus in sales volume over the past 10 years, and he currently owns 20-plus companies under the Terrence Murphy Companies brand, so a ton of experience. And Terrence is an investor in 30-plus more companies as a venture capitalist. Investing in real estate is one of the things he is most passionate about, and he currently owns over 400-plus beds of residential real estate and commercial properties all over the U.S. Terrence is a two-time winner of Inc. 50,000 Award for America's Fastest Growing Private-Owned Businesses and is also a three-time recipient of the Texas A&M Mays Business School Aggie 100 for 100 Fastest Growing Businesses in the World. So Terrence, thank you so much for being on our show today. Thank you, Yannick, man. I'm excited to be on the show. I'm appreciative to be able to speak to you and your audience. And at the end of the day, we just want to inspire people, 
give them the tools and give them the roadmap to to be the best versions of themselves. So thank you. That's awesome. That's awesome. So for our audience who don't know much about you, your experience, you know, maybe take a couple uh, minutes to share about your background, you know, transitioning from the NFL and getting into the businesses and spaces that you've been amongst today. Yeah, I think um, I like to start with the NFL in a sense, because when people I actually for a long time never even put NFL on any of my resumes or anything. And I think now that I've put in the work over the years, when I put NFL on stuff, they write me off because like, oh, it's just another NFL player who made millions and millions of dollars. And now he's just doing real estate. But in reality, I got injured my five games into my rookie year. So I pay, I, you know, play football for 22 years. I only got paid to play football one year in my life. So in reality, I'm more closer to the normal entrepreneur as a, you know, college kid just trying to figure it out. Cause once I got injured, you know, I had a really bad neck injury, got paralyzed and was able to kind of, you know, rebuild myself mentally, spiritually, and physically from that. I transitioned into real estate. So yeah, born and raised in East Texas with a single mom, uh, have seven older brothers. I'm the baby. So I, you know, I, I took a lot of, a lot of heat growing up and then went to Texas A&M, played there, was blessed to have a really solid career, went to the NFL, got injured, retired. And my biggest prayer to God is give me something I can be passionate about. And he showed me real estate. I read a book, Robert Kiyosaki, who took my money. And I've been pursuing financial literacy and investing ever since. That's awesome. I know that the transition can be tough for a lot of people, you know, as a former NFL player myself. How was that transition for you? Like, um, did you have any doubts in your mind about like what you wanted to do after you, you know, you got injured or how was that like, mindset shift right because that's a mindset and kind of personality shift too you know you've been known as the start player your entire life you know from peewee all the way up to the pros and then like all of a sudden your your entire world just shifts like how are you able to kind of bounce back from that type of adversity yeah it was it was it was a lot of adversity for one just dealing with the physical injury just being paralyzed is not something that most people deal with and um you know i've had neck surgeries and C3-4 fusions. And just so that alone, even if I wasn't playing football, let's say it would have happened in a car wreck, that would have been tough. But then losing my, you know, lifelong dream and trying to decide what I was going to do with my life all rolled into one was a lot. But it was a test of my faith and it was a test of my character. And I'll tell you, man, it's one of the hardest things I've ever been through. But at the same time, I never lost faith in God. I never lost faith in myself. And that's when I pivoted my mind to, okay, what can I be great at and what what do I have a passion for? And just started educating myself. Like I hate reading with a passion, but just like we don't enjoy being in 100 degrees hitting each other in football, but we were so passionate about football. And so when I learned that if I read and study, that that will give me the tools in order to really go out and execute and build a new career path. And so I knew I didn't want to work for someone else. I tried the whole networking. You know, I had a degree. I was a three-time academic all-conference. I just thought, okay, I can get a job through networking. And when that didn't transpire the way I wanted it, I was like, all right, I'm going to figure this thing out on my own. And I've never worked for anybody. I've always been, you know, an entrepreneur from from day one. That's cool. So Terrence, uh, you've had a ton of experience in real estate, doing a lot of deals. You've been involved in a lot of the student housing portfolio that you've accumulated, you know, throughout your legacy time. And real estate, you know, how are you able to build a lot of companies that you have today, right? And not 
have to really focus on being a part of the day-to-day operations. And in this business or just business in general, you know, it's easy to fall into the trap of trying to be the jack of all trades, right? And at some point, in order for you to scale and grow a company, you have to sit back and actually be a CEO and be the visionary of the company. How are you able to grow and scale different companies and and just kind of maintain everything at a high level? Yeah. You know, I love that quote because people never tell the whole part of the quote. You know, you just growing up, people always say, you don't want to be the jack of all trades, right? That's the only line you hear. But that quote actually says, but oftentimes the jack of all trades is better than the master of one. And so when you think about Henry Ford, right, like there's documentation where he was in a lawsuit and he was at the courthouse and he was being cross-examined and they were asking him about something that happened in his plant. And that man, and he didn't know, right? He barely even had a high school education. But the point is he didn't have the answers. And then the attorneys tried to grill him. How are you the CEO of Ford? And you don't even know this, right? He said, well, why should I? That's why I have other people that are smarter than me handling. And so that's more of the vision. Like, And like I said before, is you either have to be a visionary or you have to join an organization that has a visionary. If not, you'll be left meandering through life and business without vision. So the vision piece is the most important piece, creating that unique selling proposition, the unique value proposition. Where are we going? How are we getting there? And then finding the right people, finding your who's that can help you get that done. So I think what people see like, man, this dude has all these different companies and he's kind of all over the place, but I'm 15 X and them, you know, I'm 20 X and them. And so that starts with one though. It started with two $78,000 duplexes, you know, and then just really building out a value proposition. And then I started this, I read the, this was back in early on in my career. I read this thing called intentional congruency. It's not vertical integration. It's intentional congruency. So what it is, is you find one main vertical, one main company, and you spur companies off of that company. But there's this one main behemoth in the middle, and then it feeds the other ventures. And that's how we've kind of spurred off. So now my clients are getting different touch points, but they're getting touch points from my companies. And those companies are communicating with each other. And that's how I was able to grow and expand. And I was starting a lot of the companies in the beginning. And then I realized it's better to just go acquire a company and then put my value proposition, my secret sauce and my rocket fuel on top of it. And that's how I was able to really expand and grow faster, stronger and better. Yeah, very, very smart. Very, very smart. I love the way how you how you broke that down, because I think there's a lot of opportunities, especially in this world today where we have social media and just the interconnectivity of things. Right. That's kind of like what comes to mind when I hear you talk about, you know, your explanation behind how you're growing your business and your company is just having those ancillary business units that are somewhat uh, parallel to the business unit that you uh, created a vertical or that stemmed from. Right. So I, l- I think about it like a tree. You have this foundation that you started off with that's being vertical and you have different branches that's on the left and right side of it. So that's really, really cool how you're able to break that down. I think our audience definitely understands how you're able to build that from there. So when you're scaling these companies, right, do you have like different uh, like metrics that you look for in each company? Like, are you handling that or are you just, you know, relying on someone else to to kind of drive that and you're just putting your input and your 
superpower into those businesses to help them scale and grow as well? Yeah, it used to be when I was starting them, you know, I always wanted to understand, like, where are we going? Where's the gross profit margins? Like, how can we scale it? Where do we add value? How can we create a unique business? Is it crowded? But then as I'm looking at these different investments, because, you know, I do venture capital where I'm investing in these startups, but I also acquire mature businesses. And then I come in and help them 15x, 20x it or whatever. So it's just, I'm very passionate about entrepreneurship. I'm passionate about real estate and I'm passionate about investing. And so when I'm looking at these businesses, I try to figure out what bucket does it fit in? Is this a long-term opportunity for me? Is there a way that I can add value to it as the business owner or an advisory role? And do I have any passion towards it? If I don't have any passion towards it, I'm not really interested in it, right? So if somebody brings me an investment opportunity, this investing in ankle braces, like I'm just... I've had ankle issues. I just have no passion for that, you know? And then that's where I feel like the jack of all trades gets taken in a negative context because there are people like that that are just all over the place. They don't grow anything. They start stuff they never finish and they give up on stuff too fast. That's not me. And so just finding that balance. But yeah, I try to identify where can I add value and will it add value in the market? Like, will this change someone's life? Will it make an impact on their life? And will it make people's lives better. And if I can do those things, then I know that I know there's always going to be a space for my businesses. That's awesome. So Terrence, give our audience a little bit more context behind the different companies that you're overseeing, how it pertains maybe to the businesses that you run, and then also maybe share like a profitable business unit that you think our audience might be interested in. Maybe it's a, a growing market or something of value that they can certainly learn from. So, yeah, my umbrella company is Terrence Murphy Companies. I Obviously, that's not creative at all. I couldn't come up with anything else. With the different companies and the different brands, I had already used all my ideas. So I just said Terrence Murphy Companies. But, yeah, we have 53 companies, be 55 companies probably by the end of next week. Uh, I got two more companies that I'm acquiring to roll in. Um, 20 of those, give or take, I started as the founder just from scratch as startups. Like we uh, talked about in the bio my first startup that I actually scaled and blew up was my real estate brokerage, TM5. And uh, we scaled it to, as a startup brokerage, no franchise, no no other brokers uh, in a small college town to 1.1, 1.2 billion in sales in eight years. And I don't think, I'll tell people all the time, whether you're a billionaire or you sold a billion, have done any, anything you do with a B on it, you've, you've done something right. Um, so that was my first startup company to really scale. But yeah, I mean, they're all real estate specific type companies. I have tech companies in our portfolio. Uh, we have service businesses. You know, there's a lot of different verticals in that. But yeah, they're all kind of real estate centric or tech centric. And the one company that I would tell people to really kind of start identifying, I have two companies around this vertical. One is TM5 Equity Partners, which is our real estate specific, you know, syndication business that I started a couple years ago. So people always thought as my wife and I were acquiring commercial and investments throughout the nation that we had all these partners. So when I would fly in and go to these meetings, I would show up with my wife and my, at the time, my, my kids, I would fly them with them to the meeting with us. And they would be kind of looking like, all right, where are the rest of your partners? And I'm like, they're here. This is it. <laughs> you know, this uh five, three lady and three little midges, like we're ready to go to the meeting. We're ready to start the meeting. And I don't think they've ever seen that the moves that we were making. Uh, so for 18 years, we didn't raise a penny. You know, we've done over a quarter of a billion or more in acquisitions and development by ourselves. 
But we just now last year started doing syndicated deals and we did a $42 million apartment complex, 240 units in Dallas. We did a 175 unit deal in Orlando. And right now we're working on a 288 unit deal and 272 unit deal. So to me, you see people reverse. They go right into syndication. They go right into uh, private wealth management and equity management. And I would encourage them to really flush out all of your kinks with your own money and then get in that space because everybody wants to scale now. And I've learned everything is a marathon. It's not a sprint. You know, you and I took us 22 to 23 years to achieve our dream. So we're okay with playing the long game. And that's what I did in the multifamily space. And so now the reason why, you know, Team 5 Equity Partners and I have a fund that I've started called Good Bull Capital. Uh, We're raising $100 million. We're at $50 million already in AUM. The reason why people are believing in it, because I have an 18-year track record now of doing it with my own money. And so now instead of me like going to you saying, I need you, I'm going to you saying, come alongside me and be my partner and let's grow together. Because I've done it on my own for 18 years. It's a different value proposition. Definitely. Absolutely. That's amazing. There's no substitute for track record um, in this business, specifically when you're raising capital, right? <laughs> track record speaks a lot. It talks a lot about the volume and people people gravitate to that, right? If you've actually done things before with your own money and had the bumps and bruises that you know, you've likely, uh, you're likely going to run into, it's a little bit more weight that you can have when you're having that conversation and, and persuading people to join forces with you, right? So that is really good insight there. I did want to say one point that um, maybe you can maybe touch on before we get into more commercial stuff. But when I got my first asset management position, because I wanted to learn the game of commercial real estate, um, you know, I used to work for a a developer and he had a brokerage. Um, He still has brokerages to this day. But one of the things that I learned from him was that some of these ancillary businesses that you touched on can fuel some of the projects that you're doing in the investing space as well, which is what he did is he leveraged the the sales as being a broker and, and all the success, you know, that business was doing. And he took that liquidity and got into development deals that required a lot of liquidity or some of the equity transactions and essentially was his own money. Right. So did you have like a similar experience on, on your end as well from growing companies to facilitate your investment growth and ability to acquire larger transactions as well. That's exactly what I did. Um, You know, I always say, and I got this from Robert Kiyosaki's book at 22 when I read it or 23, however old I was, it says you have to have a career and then your money has to have a career. And, you know, you find something like real estate sales. It's, It's a good cash flow business, but it's a quote that I've said, and now it's kind of starting to catch waves in this space. You can't sell your way into into financial freedom. You need multiple income streams. So real estate agents, you know, driving the Lamborghinis, driving the nice cars and you know, getting in and out of the listings and walking around on Instagram and dancing on TikTok. Right. Looks cool. But they'll be doing that till they're 70, 80 years old if they don't put that money to work that they're making in sales versus just buying stuff all the time. I think people should buy whatever they want to buy. Like that's their business. They earned it, whatever they want to spend it on all that good, good for them. But I was wearing the same shirts, same jeans, same boots and taking that money from the business and going and investing it in buying income producing assets so that I could retire at 38. So, I, you know, I retired two years ago and now I pick and choose where I go when I when I want to go and I do what I want to do. 
because I was willing to make those sacrifices. So, yeah, that's just the pivot that people have to make. But you can use your career to fund your money's career. But you can't just go like, you know, savers are losers, right? Inflation. I've been saying this for like 10 years and nobody listened to me. But I'm just going to save, save, save. So our culture was always taught to put it in a shoebox, put it under the mattress. Now it's like you have to put that money to work. That paper that you have in that mattress isn't worth anything. Um, and so your buying power is going down. Inflation is eating it away if you don't go get a return. So that's just something that I've always tried to do with my with my cash. Wise words, man. Wise words. Uh, I mean, everything that you said just kind of hit home. And, and I really understand where you're coming from because um, money is just paper, right? The Fed is just going to keep printing money. They can do what they want. But if you're not putting that money to work, you're really a slave to the dollar. So the same mindset that I have as well as at, at age 30. So it's great to hear that um, people who are way ahead of me, like yourself, you know, I'm, I'm kind of trying to follow behind that track. So it's really, really, really empowering to hear. And real quick, one other final thought. And it's hard to do when everybody else is going the other direction. You know, everybody else is, you know, buying the cars. And and that's the, the concept I always have to run me and my wife through. Is it an asset or not? Or is it a liability? And we've just come to the conclusion it's an asset only if it pays us. And it's a liability if we pay it. Point blank period. So no matter what we buy, if it pays us, it's an asset. If it doesn't pay us, it's a liability. And that's what we're always tracking. Good debt versus bad debt. Good debt is something where you're using for leverage and it's an income stream, whether it's a business, real estate, oil and gas, whatever. And then bad debt means is I got debt on something that I'm paying for it every month. I just want to throw that out there for your audience. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think um, especially for our NFL athletes who are listening to today's show as well, you know, that's something that I wish that I was told yep. when I was first getting into to the NFL, right? But uh, sometimes, you know, life happens and things change and people are blessed with different opportunities that force them to think a little bit differently. And, um, you know, sometimes you meet people that help you kind of create a different path throughout your life. So all good things that you just spoke about. Hey, listen up. If you're an employee, business owner, or professional athlete with money in the bank, earning 0% return, and you're thinking about passively investing in real estate, well, you need to check out our ultimate syndication guide for passive investors. This free guide absolutely covers everything you need to know about passively investing in real estate syndication or just real estate in general. If you want access to this valuable resource, go to MerlinAcquisitions.com slash passive guide to download the free syndication guide for passive investors. That's M-E-R-L-Y-N-N acquisitions.com slash passive guide or head over to the show notes and click the link to download. Now let's get back to the show. I was getting into the your experience in the commercial real estate space on the triple net side of things. There's not a ton of education out there on triple net leases and buying strip centers with credit tenants. Uh, I know that you own a property that has a Starbucks in it. Maybe kind of walk us through that particular deal and talk about maybe how you found it, how you financed it, how you, I guess you funded it with your own capital. But for our audience who might just know a little bit more about multifamily, maybe you can touch on the triple net uh, side of things that that um, they would be interested in as well. Yeah, I think I still think um, triple net leasing credit a investing is is a sleeping giant. And I think everybody got afraid of it during COVID. 
But if you had the right tenants and the right tenant mix, it performed and did really well through COVID. Um, for us, the reason I got pushed into commercial investing is just how people invest in the stock market and they buy bonds and they buy stock, they buy mutual funds and they you know, diversify portfolio. I decided I wanted to have a different velocity of money and a different balance on my balance sheet, like a different type of asset. And the student housing stuff that we were doing was so labor intensive because we were acquiring it. We were rezoning it. I was building it. My team was leasing it up. We were managing it. Bro, it was a lot, man. And I'm like, babe, we got to figure out how to make returns and not do as much work. So I started studying commercial real estate. And, you know, once again, everybody you call and they don't call you back because they don't think you can either afford it or you don't know what you're doing or you're new to the game. And I've always been okay with being that underdog. It doesn't bother me. So I just kept studying and kept researching. And I started just like I did with Texas A&M. I created a very, very strict criteria. And I stuck to my guns when there was opportunities put in front of me. If they didn't meet what I said in my mind, I didn't pull the trigger because I knew one bad investment. I will be just, you know, that's where you see people make an investment and they get turned away from the space, but they didn't stay true to their guns. And so for me, I said, OK, I want to find a three to 10 unit building because that created diversity in the, in the space. Then I wanted to find an emerging market. So like Asheville, North Carolina is an emerging market. If you've been there, man, you can see what's happening. That town's blowing up. It's a really cool place. Asheville, North Carolina was a place identified. That's where we bought our first commercial investment. Now we've been buying them across the nation. So what we look for is credit ratings. And you don't hear about that much, right? No one, who's walking around on Instagram talking about credit ratings? Nobody. So I started tracking AAA rated companies that had retail space. Starbucks was one of them. Buffalo Wild Wings was one of them. Um, I, I'm, I'm from the country, so I never can pronounce this right. But Chipotle was one of them. You know, AT&T, those type of tenants. And then here's the other thing I started tracking. Which ones were in growth mode? Like who, who were putting down more locations? And you start getting in and start tracking the developers or you start finding their brokers and you can follow where they're going. Hey, we're going to put down 1,500 locations in Sunbelt states. Here are the places we're going. And then I started tracking the commercial brokers that had these listings because there's commercial brokers that only do triple, triple net lease type listings. And you just start building a rapport, man. And then I started underwriting it and I started realizing that I could get double digit returns. And all I had to do is check my P&L every month and make sure that my property manager was doing their job. And uh, that's what we did. The thing I loved about it too is these are commercial corporate back leases. That's another word you don't hear a lot about. So versus getting a strip center and you have Terrence who just started his first cookie store, right? Or a snow cone shop. Well, I may be a solid tenant locally, but if the market turns, I'm not going to be able to pay my rent. Versus I know Starbucks is paying their rent. Even if they have to give a rent abatement, which we did on a couple of those through COVID, we still turn right around and collected it in the next six to 12 months. So those credit rating tenants, AAA rated tenants, corporate back leases is all I started tracking. And then those were the buildings that I wanted. Now your cap rates will be a little bit lower. And then I started tracking this term, 10 year initial leases with multiple renewals. So like Starbucks does 10 year initial lease with four, uh, five year renewals. That's a 30 year lease. So people are like, well, yeah, but then you can't capture the upside. 
Well, if I pay the building off, who cares about the upside? So it's just really understanding those returns. And then like that building alone, just because of the pre-negotiated rents and tracking the cap rates is now worth $2.5 million more than what I paid for it three years ago. So now you're talking about capturing the appreciation, the rental rates. So it's just a game that you can play that does really well. And all we do is meet with our property manager once once a month for 30 minutes. And that's it. Yeah. And um, I mean, it's almost like a bond play, depending on how your, your credit yeah. is on the property. They pay for all the expenses. If it's a triple net lease, you know, they reimburse you back based on the pro rata share of their space. And um, I mean, you just sit back and collect cash flow. Right. And when you have the high credit tenants, like the corporate tenants, like like you mentioned, the Starbucks, I mean, those guys, they pay on the first and they're never late. Right. There's not a lot of education out there on investing in those types of assets. And I think there needs to be more education on that because social media today and the world today kind of glorifies all the hard work in real estate. But in actuality, if I can sit back and just collect cash and checks, that's really where you want where you want to be at. Right. So I think our audience definitely should take a look at the triple net leases or triple net opportunities if they can today. Yeah, it's a space that really got a lot of attention when I posted. I only posted it because my wife's trying to push me to do more of enjoying and celebrating. I'm a terrible celebrator and I I don't like social media at all. I just I'm on there right now. Probably going to get off in the next couple of years. But um, yeah, that being said, uh, because we can share our story and this thing got like one point five million shares in like two weeks. And I think that's what created this outpour of people asking me, hey, do you have an ebook? Do you have a book? Would you mentor me? And I didn't have anything. Like I wasn't doing it for that. But that's why I started my podcast. I started a coaching business to try to help people because I'm like, man, I now see a need that people need this and they need to see people that look like us doing it. There's not a lot of that out there. So that's where I realized God wanted me to fill a void and give people this information. Absolutely. So Terrence, this has been really good for our listeners and for us to just discuss your background and your history and your transition from the NFL, getting into commercial real estate, building different companies, your experience with entrepreneurship, investing in triple net leases. Where can our audience follow you, get in touch with you and maybe tap into your coaching program for them to learn more about what you're doing and just investing in real estate? Yeah, man, I'll say look me up on Instagram. It's just Terrence C. Murphy. Make sure it's the right one. There's a lot of fake profiles out there. You know, I was out of the league when they were doing all the verification BS. But it's just Terrence C. Murphy. Or you can look me up on TerrenceMurphy.com and uh, or look up my podcast. It's the Real Estate Entrepreneur with Terrence Murphy. We did 100,000 downloads in our first year just with organic followers and people checking out what we were saying. And uh, yeah, man, so look me up on those three places, Instagram, website, and the podcast. That's amazing. Well, Terrence, thank you so much for being a guest on our show. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in to another episode of the Mogul Marathon Real Estate Podcast. Definitely, please, please, please rate this podcast, leave a review. We'd love to get your feedback. And again, thanks so much for being on the show. Remember that real estate is a marathon, not a sprint. So run your own race. Thanks again, Terrence. Love it, bro. Good job, man.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.